Project Zion Podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts the Restoration offers for today's world. We aim to feature a wide variety of guests and panelists with roots in the Restoration tradition from Community of Christ and our friends in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music has been provided by Mark Abernathy. You can find his music at www.mark-abernathy.com. here with Project Zion. Um, today we have a very special guest on, Miss Robin Linkhart, who is currently the pastor in Salt Lake City Community of Christ, and she is also the president of 70 of the Sixth Quorum. She was recently given a new assignment um, to the Council of Twelve in Community of Christ, and so we have her on today to talk about the process of getting called and what her job will look like here on out. So welcome, Robin. Hey, Brittany. It's great to be with you today. Yes. And I just have to say that I have been so elated at Robin's new call, and I cry about it every time I think about it or talk about it. So I'm hoping to um, keep my emotions in check today. So let's first talk about um, the process of getting called. I know that you said that this all came about several months ago. So, can you tell us about when the call was presented to you, how it was presented, and what your initial reactions and thought processes were? So, it was really a very unique experience. I was in Independence, Missouri, attending Council of Presidents of 70 meetings, and uh, this was May of this year. It was just a couple months after I'd had both my knees replaced, so I was still in recovery a bit with that, and this was a Wednesday. This was May 6th, and I actually had let the senior president of 70, John White, know that I wasn't going to come in for the morning meeting because I was waiting on a prescription and my legs had swollen quite a lot and I needed to just get off my feet for a while and make sure my health was solid. So I was at my daughter Molly's house outside Independence um, with my feet elevated and I was checking my email on my phone and all of a sudden I see this email pop up from Stephen M. Beasy and I was like, oh my goodness, what is this? So I opened the email, and he asked me if I would have time to meet with him while I was in town because he wanted to speak with me about an opportunity for ministry. And um, I was actually quite intrigued as to what that possibly could mean. I um, He said, contact his secretary to make an appointment. And uh, I, I have to say, I was I didn't want to wait to find out, so... <laughs> So I emailed uh, Lisa right away and said I could meet that day if it worked um, about 1 o'clock or any time after that would be fine. So we set up the appointment for one that day and got myself around and went over. And I actually had processed um, what I thought this might be, and I had decided that it 
most likely was an opportunity to speak with a major donor about connecting resources for ministry and that Steve probably wanted me to share um, with a specific person or two about the type of missionary work that I've been engaged with out here in Utah and the possibilities ahead of us in that um, realm of ministry. So I went up to the second floor of the temple where the first presidency suite is, and there are big glass doors there, and you can see the um, secretary sitting at the desk, and Lisa was there and buzzed the door open for me and said, Steve's in his office waiting for you. So I went in, and he greeted me warmly, and I sat down all ready to hear about how um, I could share my testimony with the donor about exciting things happening in the USA. And he didn't waste any time. (laughs) He said hello, asked me how I was, and then uh, told me that I was called to serve in the Council of Twelve Apostles. (laughs) And at that moment, my world basically turned upside down, and things were a little fuzzy. And he kept talking about this, and I was... In my head going, what? What? (laughs) So he he presented the call um, briefly at that point, and I spent the next five to ten minutes trying to talk him out of why why we might need to take more time with this and not rush into anything. And and, uh, anyway, he was persistent, and he said, I have prayed about this. I have taken my time. Um, this is the call. So he was very, very kind, and he offered to, um, he said you can take as much time as you need to think about this and pray about it, and um, he goes, I know you'll want to speak with your husband, and if you want me to come, I can fly to Colorado and talk to him in person if you need me to do that. And I said, okay. I asked him a couple questions, and actually, I can't even remember what those questions are right now. Um, So I was in his office for probably about a half an hour. And the understanding I had was I had to keep this in complete um, confidence. Um, He advised me that both of his counselors, Scott Murphy and Becky Savage, were aware of the call and that he was presenting it. I could certainly speak with them if I wanted to that um, he would be happy to talk to me anytime, answer any questions I might have, etc. I told him it would take at least a couple weeks because I needed to talk to my husband and had a lot of thinking and praying to do. And, of course, I went downstairs and our Council of Presidents of 70 afternoon session meetings were beginning soon, and it was the oddest feeling like my whole world had changed and I had this huge question before me, like, what now? What, what do I do? Um, how, how do I respond? I decided, um, that I, something of this nature, I really needed to talk to my husband in person and I wasn't going to be home for about five days after that. Um, so I didn't say anything to him about it by phone or, or, I didn't talk to anyone about it until I went home. And actually, that week, it was just seemed so surreal. Um, 
I think late in the next day or the day after that. And I thought, you know, I've just had surgery. I've been on heavy meds, you know, and I'm off that stuff now, but I've heard that it can kind of have a lingering effect. And I think it might have been a day and a half later, and I thought, you know, I may have just imagined this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I opened up my uh, laptop and looked in my email and thought, okay, if... If I imagined it, there won't be an email from Steve Beasy. So I scroll down, and sure enough, it was there. So <laughs> I can no longer uh, live in denial that this had happened. So when I got home, my husband and I sat down, We and I told him about the call, and we began to process that together. And um, very early on in the conversation, um, Kevin said, you have my 100% support. Absolutely. Um, no question. And uh, I I told him, I said, well, Steve said he would be happy to fly out here and chat with you about this. He goes, I don't need to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was, it was, uh, actually, I, I was very humbled at how quickly and how um, convicted my husband was with, with his full support of my ministry and the next step that was that God was calling me into. He did ask me one question and that was, he said, do you want this? And I, I paused for a minute before I answered that because I told him, you know, priesthood and ministry has never been something for me that I think about as wanting. It's been a very deep sense of call, a call, um, that I feel compelled to say yes to, and that this was another journey of discerning the next step in ministry, and that my response didn't come out of a place of wanting. It would come out of a sense of call. And so um, I journeyed with that for another week and a half or so, just prayerfully reflecting Wanting to know a sense that God was saying to me, yes, you are called. And so um, I was traveling back to Utah not long after that. And um, on my way to church, I generally go an hour or so early to church. And I have the same route every week. And I was driving um, on 215 and coming just to the west face of the mountains over there, and it was just a a glorious morning. There was a little bit of a haze on the mountains, which to me always makes it look kind of mystical. I like to turn on the uh, instrumental hymn music when I'm driving, and as I came to that place, and and I had just been carrying this call on my heart for a couple weeks, and just a sense of praying, a constant kind of prayer attitude um, before God, and I got to the bend in the road where the biggest mountain stands in such majesty. And a song came on, I Surrender All. And I knew in that moment that the day I walked into the waters of baptism and said, Yes, Jesus, I will follow you all the way, that that was the first yes, and every yes after that stood on the foundation of that yes, 
and I surrender all meant, yes, once again, I will do this. I will follow you. I will go wherever you send me. So um, that week I emailed President Beasy and asked if he had time to talk on the phone, and we made an appointment, and he called me. Gosh, I think it was probably seven or eight uh, mountain time. And I, I wrote out everything I wanted to tell him so I wouldn't uh, <laughs> wouldn't uh, come up empty-handed with words. And I described to him a bit of my process and discernment and um, made sure to note to him the shortcomings I think I have. <laughs> and when I got to the end of that discussion, I said, um, with all of that said, if you still want me, yes, I will serve. And he said, without a doubt, we still want you. <laughs> and uh, so I accepted the call that day and um, continued to understand that this was something to um, keep confidential and that uh, he would be presenting a letter to the church uh, later in the year. And that, actually, in some ways, that was comforting to know that no one else was going to know for a while because it still is something that I'm getting used to um, coming to terms with, that this is a new chapter in my life, and it's very, very different um, in so many ways, and yet a continuation of the same journey. Uh, definitely a daunting, overwhelming um, task. One of the things I shared with President Beasy when we talked on the phone was that years ago um, I was at a um, Apostolic Field Leaders Gathering at Camp Buckhorn in Southern California. This was in 2003, and um, Grant McMurray, who was the president of the church at that time, uh, met with us during those meetings, and one time he was sharing a bit with us, and he said uh, in regards to his own personal journey that he had never been called to serve in any role for which he felt um, fully equipped or prepared to serve. And I told President Beasy, that has been my experience over and over again in my journey of discipleship. And with each call into new ministry, there have been many times that... Um, caused a great pause for me, and um, in a sense, looking to God and saying, what are you thinking? <laughs> and God continues to whisper to my heart, um, be faithful, and I will provide. So it's another one of those points where I feel like God is asking me to jump off into thin air and... I've learned over time that regardless of how timid or um, unprepared or ill-equipped I may feel about what God is calling me to do, that God does indeed provide. And I can jump and God is there to, to hold me up and fill in the gaps. So on September 8th, um, President Beasy came into the World Church Leadership uh, meeting 
in the temple, and the entire Council of Presidents of Seventy had been invited to be in that meeting. Generally, only the senior president, John White, is there, and he read the letter, which is a public um, document at this point, and announced my call as well as several other folks who are stepping into new leadership roles. Um, and all of that, of course, will be finalized at World Conference next year in 2016. Wow. <laughs> um, I love that. I love all of that. And it made me cry a little, but I think I've reined in my tears. Um, so, so initially you were able to tell your husband, when were you able to share the news with your kids and what was that reaction like for them? So about a week, a little over a week before, um, the September 8th date, um, President Beasy emailed me and said that I was free to share with my family with the understanding that this would need to be kept in confidence with anyone I chose to share the news with until after the letter was made public. And, um, so I, now my, I wasn't with my kids, so I was actually here in Utah when that, um, information came. And so I called, um, my son, Matthew, and, um, said, I'm going to get Becca on the line and I, ha I need to chat with you for a little bit. So we conferenced Becca into the call and I told the two of them together and they were both elated. They were really excited and, uh, it was a wonderful experience. And then, uh, later in the day, I, um, called my son who lives in DC. Uh, when he got off work and told him and he was very excited too. And I, um, gave Becca and Andrew both permission to tell their spouses, um, of course, with the understanding that absolute confidence was needed. And I called my daughter, Molly, who lives, um, just outside independence and shared the news with her and she was very supportive as well. It was wonderful to finally be at a point where I could tell my kids. Um, and the day before um, the letter was read, I called um, my dad who lives in Southern Missouri and told him about the call. Um, he's the only um, parent that I have still living. My mother passed away in 2010. So it was a special time to share with him as well. And he, he was very, very supportive. He is, he's no longer active with the church. He hasn't been active in the church for mm, a couple of decades. Um, but he's always been very supportive of my ministry. And it was especially touching to hear his response. Beautiful. I'm so glad that you have the support of your family. Um, so let's, let's talk about what the role of an apostle is in community of Christ. Um, uh, being born and raised LDS, uh, a lot of what they do is behind the scenes. And, and I know that that's important and obviously part of, of what your role will be as well. Um, but, but yeah, just let us know what, what the role of an apostle is. So the role of apostle and community of Christ is to be a leader of mission. And so apostles are responsible for the evangelistic witness of the church um, and in Community of Christ, generally speaking, each apostle has a geographic assignment. So there is a very specific uh, responsibility somewhere in the globe um, to um, supervise and also support, equip, 
and lead mission in that part of the world. And that can look a little bit different in different parts of the world, depending. Uh, it also can involve administrative responsibilities um, that come along with being part of a denomination and um, just supporting the life of the church in general. Um, here in the U.S., we're actually moving into a new way of deploying our ministry um, and leading mission for the USA. And that will begin in January 1. The last Herald magazine that came out kind of gives an overview of what that will look like. Basically, what we're trying to do is to use our sustained ministry staff um, in a wiser way and not duplicate services across the field. So we'll have people who specialize in handling a lot of the administrative tasks across the church and um, really focus on that. And then that will relieve a lot of the administrative um, task from our mission center presidents so that they can focus more on mission. And that also um, with the authority that's delegated through the apostle to key folks in the field will relieve apostles of administrative tasks so that we can all focus more intently on mission. We'll also have a new um, role in the field called mission support leader. And each one of those folks is associated with a mission area, and that person will be a key support to the apostle and take some of that administrative load off as well. So we're going to be focusing on mission in a way that we never have before um, in the church in the USA, and I'm excited about what that will mean to myself and Locke Mackay, who also is going into the Council of Twelve the same time I am. Both of us are assigned to the USA uh, field. And I anticipate that uh, my area of service in the USA will remain the Western USA mission field as it is now as a president of 70. So are you, I know that you have been heading up the seeker ministry team. Is that still going to be part of your, your duties? Yes. Um, president Beasy um, talked to me about that and indicated that, the expectation would be that I would continue to coordinate Latter-day Seeker ministries um, on a, in a large area um, for the USA. So we we work a lot on shared leadership. And even as a president of 70, having that role to um, coordinate Latter-day Seeker ministry, I've worked closely with my colleagues in the presence of 70 Council, as well as with the Council of 12, so that when um, folks make inquiry and need uh, ministry and support and want to learn more about Community of Christ, that that request can be um, met with as close to the grassroots level as possible. So both the Apostles and the Presence of Seventy are really key in identifying who in their field is present in that area and available and equipped to respond and provide um, ministry of presence, etc. And that will continue to be part of my role. And and of course, Latter-day Seeker ministry is unfolding as well and um, growing and more and more people are becoming involved in Community of Christ with supporting uh, seekers who come to our congregations who are reaching out and want to learn more. So um, 
I'm really excited about the opportunities and about the possibilities and what this might look like in the future because it's going to take all of us working together. It's all so exciting to me. <laughs> so from here on out, uh, World Conference is in June of 2016. So what? how do you anticipate that transition going? Um, you're still going to be president of 70. Um, you will not be the pastor in Salt Lake. You'll move back to your home in Colorado. Um, how will juggling all of those hats look? <laughs> well, the juggling has already started um, <laughs> the last couple of weeks when I was in Independence for Council of Presidents of 70 meetings. Um, the USA team of apostles has been meeting regularly together um, to work on uh, leading mission in the USA and the new deployment plan. Um, and they called Locke and I in at the end of the week to meet with them. They were um, just meeting together at the end of their Council of 12 meetings. Um, and we will, Bach and I will begin meeting with them all the time for the rest of this year as we work towards our launch date, January 1. Um, beginning in January, I will meet with the Council of 12 when they meet in Independence and also with the World Church Leadership Council and will be functioning um, ministerially and missionally with the Council of Twelve and supporting the field I serve now um, in that regard as I transition into the new role. Uh, Ron Harmon will remain our apostle up until uh, World Conference, and I will continue to serve as the president of 70. So I will have one foot in each area, so to speak. At World Conference, and this is the usual way that we address um, these types of roles, the um, New calls to the Council of Twelve will be presented to the legislative body in a legislative session, and um, the body will have opportunity to discuss that call in the way of providing affirming testimony, etc., comments. And then there will be a vote taken to approve the call. And once those calls are approved, there will be an ordination um, service during World Conference to ordain the new folks. And my understanding is that's going to be on June 6th at the evening worship um, during World Conference. And then it's it's always amazing. I love to watch this at World Conference because after these ordinations, the next day at the legislative session, all of the new people have taken their places on the platform. And then you finish out the World Conference in that new role. So, uh this will be a, a first for me of, of uh, having an assigned seat at, at the front of the whole <laughs> legislative body. I'm, I'm not crazy about that part. <laughs> um, and at the same time, I will be um, assisting with the transition for a new presence of 70 in, mm. on the Council of Presidents of 70. So we have three um, president of 70 designates who are currently serving on our council and those folks will be approved by the joint council of 70 the joint quorum of 70 and they will actually be set apart at world conference for their new role and i'll be handing off my quorum to a, another president of 70 so it's going to be bittersweet in many regards because i'll be saying goodbye in a sense to those colleagues and then moving into another quorum um, but I'm really excited because the Council of Twelve and the Presence of Seventy work very closely together. So um, I will continue to work closely with, with my colleagues 
who are on the Presence of 70 Council, and, and that's going to be exciting. So uh, I won't have to totally um, be gone. It's just kind of putting on a slightly different hat and all, all still working together for mission. Thanks for that, Robin. Um, it's an exciting time, and I know that my family was quietly anticipating a world conference in hopes that we would be there, but we will for sure be there now, and it's, it's such an exciting time for our church. Um, thank you for coming over and for telling us your story, and we, we all love you and support you and anticipate this next transition for the church, so thank you. Thanks for having me. podcast is sponsored by the Latter-day Seekers team from Community of Christ. The views expressed in this podcast are the opinions of those speaking and do not necessarily represent the views, beliefs, or official stance of Community of Christ or the Latter-day Seekers team.